0: Today we're going to talk about, we've been talking about, uh, you know, different uh, sides of grace, different facets of grace. And and today I want to talk about the misconception of grace. And, and, you know, misconception means misunderstanding. Sometimes we can misunderstand things in the Bible. Isn't that true? We can misunderstand things. Uh, what the Lord is trying to teach us and it can give us, it can hurt us instead of help us. Amen. And so I, I don't claim to know everything about grace, but I just want to just just kind of just scratch the surface a little bit and talk about the misconceptions. I, I believe some of us uh, misunderstand what grace really is. And, and we just uh, we don't really know uh, what it is or what it's not. And so therefore, we don't utilize it in a proper way. But this morning, I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about three misconceptions of grace. And the first one is this, the misconception of the use of grace. Now, you know, some people think that grace is a permission slip to live life how we want with no consequences. That's that's our idea of grace. Grace is that, you know, that um, that, you know, we think that, you know, it doesn't matter how you live your life. Because God's grace covers all our actions and our behavior. God's a good God. He's a gracious God. So He would not punish me or harm me or just do anything bad. They see grace as the wink of God and the license to sin. But if you feel that that's what grace is, you're deceived. That's a a misconception of what grace really is. In In Jude chapter Chapter 1, in verse 3, it's a habit. In verse 3, it says this, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to His holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into our churches saying That God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a powerful passage of scripture right there. And so the author of Jews is encouraging the church to defend the faith. And he says, this is one way you defend the faith by making sure that people understand that God's grace is not a permission slip or a license to live immoral lives. Jude 4 tells us that ungodly people have wormed their way into our churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. That, my friends, is deception big time. It's a misunderstanding of God's marvelous grace. That God's grace allows us to live immoral lives and it's all covered under grace. No, it's a deception. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. So do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, God says, will enter the kingdom of God. So God says willful, immoral living will keep you out of heaven. Is that what the Bible says? As well as idolatry, prostitution, and homosexuality. Is that what your Bible reads? Now some people say, no, grace changes that. It does not. Immorality is living sexually active life without having a marriage license. And it's also living a sexually active life with somebody of the same sex. Warning, do not allow your misunderstanding of grace cause you to create a false God in your mind. Don't allow it to do that. We don't have the liberty and the privilege of creating our own God. He tells us who He is and we have to submit ourselves to that. Are y'all with me out there? Now listen, wouldn't it be horrible for somebody to attend church all their life and then be denied access into heaven when they die? See, we, are no, we don't take this thing serious enough. We think we could play spiritual... Russian relay, But we better get serious about this thing. I mean, is heaven and hell real? Does God keep some people out and let some people in? If I read my Bible correctly, that's what it tells me. Amen? So the author of Hebrews warns us of our behavior can cause us to totally miss the grace of God. In Hebrews 12 and 15, it says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inherited rights as the oldest son. So now the author of Hebrews tells us that there are three grace blockers to avoid. One is bitterness. So you can be bitter, but it's going to block the grace of God in your life. The other is sexual immorality. You know, God won't necessarily strike you if you're sexually immoral, but i tell you what it will do. It'll block the grace of God in your life. Amen? And then, godless behavior. Now, we could lump a whole lot of stuff into that. Amen? But, you know, some of us would tend to look at the other two and say, yeah, you heathen out there. And God says also, godless behavior. Come on, are y'all with me? So it's a misconception to think that grace gives you permission or a license to sin. You know, the wages of sin is still death. Amen? So listen, grace doesn't give us a license or permission. To the contrary, grace gives us the ability and the desire to stay away from sin. Amen? Isn't that right, saints of God? Since you've been saved, you're not trying to find out how much you can get away with. You want to just stay away from those fence lines. Amen? The second misconception of grace is this. The misconception of the works of grace. You know, some people believe that because we're saved by grace, there's no reason to worry about doing any work for God. Hey, man, I'm I'm walking in grace, brother. Y'all go do that stuff. I'm just going to enjoy my walk with God and think we're off the hook. They mistakenly think that grace gives you the right or the free pass to live your life as you want without ever worrying about God's agenda. Now, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says we are the slaves of Christ. Now, we don't like that. But that's what the Bible calls us. That we are supposed to be the slaves of Christ. But some people see grace in in uh, an excuse. An excuse, get out of work, pass. You know, sometimes at school, we got an excuse, get out of class, pass. I love those. But sometimes as Christians, we can look at grace and say, grace is the excuse, get out of work, pass. But it's not. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not, the, it's not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works that no one can boast. See there, I told you. But verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, what does it say, saints? To do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul says, listen, grace doesn't give us a get out of work free pass. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so the truth is, our purpose for being saved is so we could do something for God. Come on, I need a better amen. Even though it hurts, it's the truth. Amen. And so listen, we are not saved by works. You can't earn your salvation, but we're saved for works amen we don't get to heaven because we earned our way in we worked our way in no no none of us can do a good enough job to earn our way it's by God's grace we get in amen it's his work that gets us in amen but because we're going to heaven we should desire to do something for God amen See, God's grace isn't a license to do nothing but the ability to do something for Him. Let me, let me say that again. Grace isn't a license to do nothing but the ability to do something for Him. Amen? Now, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So one purpose of God's grace is so that we can abound in every good work. Good works is referring to expanding the kingdom of God, It's building the kingdom of God, is serving the master and extending his love and his grace wherever we go. Amen. Paul clearly understood the role of grace. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians 15:10. It says, "By God's grace But rather, but, but God's grace has made me what I am. And his grace to me was not wasted. I worked harder than all the other apostles, but it was not. I really, it was God's grace that was with me. Amen. So if you want to know how to waste the grace of God, do nothing for God. That's how you waste the grace of God. Come on, I'm preaching good this morning, even though you're not shouting like it is. Amen? But you know what? It's the Word of God that's doing the shouting this morning. Amen? And so listen, the reason for spiritual gifts is so we can minister God's grace. Did you know that? God's gifts is God's grace to administer His grace. And this is what 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received. To serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So God's grace is administered in the different gifts that's in the body of Christ. Those who have the gift of hospitality, you administer the grace of God. Those of you that are teachers, you administer the grace of God. Those of you that have the, the gift of helps, every time you help, You are ministering the grace of God. Right now on this campus, grace has been administered all over the place. Amen? Isn't that great? And so listen, God desires us to use our spiritual gifts to administer His grace to others. Another purpose for God's grace is for the gifting to serve and the empowerment and the ability to do ministry. Isn't that great? I can tell you excited. Where are you going with this, brother? All right, you hedging yourself in, huh? You're looking for the exit, right? And so listen, the more we administer God's grace, the more we expand the kingdom of God, amen? The more we administer God's grace, the more we expand the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4.16 says this, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Amen. So the bottom line is, the growth of the church hinges on our ability and willingness to administer the grace of God. The more we administer the grace of God, the more we grow God's church. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all receive that this morning. If you do, say amen. 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 Now, for example, you know, the last few years in December, I just take a moment to just kind of, hey, gang, this is kind of what happened this year. Let me just do a little bit. Is that okay if I take a little bit of time to do that? Some of the results of what we've been able to do here at Family Life because of your faithful administering of the gift, I'm calling it a picture of God's administered grace through Family Life congregation. And here it is. In 2015, because of you, because of your administering God's grace, 215 souls have made decisions for Christ. 215. But listen, yeah, amen. That's not church-wide. That's basically just on, on, on church on Sunday morning. Over a thousand souls have been saved in the last four years right here at the altars. Amen? Isn't that great? Because of your gracious administering of God's grace, many of those who were saved are now growing or being discipled. Seventy completed the spiritual growth track. Eighty were baptized. 565 got their marriages stronger by attending our seminar. 330 children attended our free, our, our free kids camp in which many of them received Christ. This is just kind of a, just a tad bit. So many more were discipled through our various ministries. Children's ministry, school ministry, recovery ministry, ushers ministry, grief ministry, music ministry, inner healing ministry, intercession ministry, student ministry, hospitality ministry, Royal Rangers ministry, altar ministry, life group ministry, media ministry, teaching ministry, outreach ministry, counseling ministry, and this is not all of them. Amen? Wow. Amen. Because you were willing to administer God's grace, we are fulfilling the great commission that God gave the church, which says in Matthew 28, 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. God's great commission to the local church can only be accomplished when we collectively... Administer God's grace by employing our gifts and abilities towards others. Amen. Now listen, it doesn't end there. Because of your gracious ministry, we're making a difference in our community. Remember in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, through Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's kind of like circles or rings. Notice God empowers us by his spirit. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And power so we can be witnesses. Or another way to say it, God gives us the Holy Ghost so we can administer his grace. Beginning in Jerusalem. Amen. That's why He told the church, before you go over there and try to start a church, wait here till you're empowered from power from on high. Because my spirit will give you the grace that you need to build the church of God. Amen. But he says, listen, you need to start in Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents the local community. Our witness should begin in our community, right? A picture of our outreach in the community in 2015, over a thousand meals were served to the homeless through our Helping Hands ministry. Uh, led by Amanda Granger, uh, through St. Joseph's Diner, led by Michelle Boudreau and, and their teams. A thousand and sixty five students receive free school supplies, many of which don't even attend church here, but they got school supplies to go get an education. Amen. We help mentor, uh, mentor on a weekly basis through, uh, Ken Hargrave and, and, uh, uh, uh a hard for children ministries on a weekly basis. There was 770 college students who received a meal on campus, a meal and a message. Many of those got saved because of Miss Kathy Roy and, and, and her serve team. A number of middle and high school students were reached through our school clubs, through Miss Dixie, uh, Miss Tina Venable, Sherry uh, Sh- Sherry St. Julian and others, their teams. By the way, we helped save at least 60 babies so far this year through a pregnancy center and clinic. Amen. We've continued to support Chaplain Alex who pro- provides spiritual leadership and guidance in LPCC. We, provide, we help her financially as well as giving her resources, Brother Francis' book, Bibles. Anybody that goes in jail that wants a Bible, they got one. Amen. And so part of the reason is because of you. We've helped launch uh, three church plants. Uh, Foundations Church in Broussard, led by Dixie's brother, Stephen Bowen. Surge Church in Orneville, led by, by Thomas Bim; Family Life now in Abbeville, led by my brother, Dick Menard. But at, while we're doing this, we're helping other churches. Amen. We're helping Freedom Biker Church get some software. But we're, do, we're reaching out in the community. Amen. And here's what I'm trying to say. Through God's grace, we're not only making a difference right here in our church. But we're making a difference in our community. So you need to know that. That you are making a difference in Lafayette. Parish for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Give yourselves a hand. Amen. And listen, last but certainly not least, because of your graciousness, we're making a difference throughout the world. You know, that verse in Acts 1.8 says, You be my witnesses telling people about me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the Lord wants the local church not just to reach its people or its community. It wants us to be light and soul to the entire world. Amen? Now let me just kind of give you... This is not an exhaustive list. This is to just kind of give you an idea. In 2015, just through our surge involvement we helped launch and plant 16 churches throughout the world. Seven in China, two in Russia, one in Islamabad, two in Lebanon, three in Brazil, and one in the Middle East. Amen? So think about that. China, Russia, Islamabad, Lebanon, Brazil. And this is not it. We, Mexico, there's other. But at least just through surge, 16 churches we've helped launch throughout the world. Which means people are going to get saved. People are going to get discipled. And listen, over a hundred churches in the last four years. Just in the last four years. Now we've, we, we are making a difference. Remember, uh, at the beginning of the year, we bought a van for Sierra Leone, Africa, which they're using to plant countless churches. And remember, I showed you a picture of a combine. And this van, they go from village to village. They show the Jesus film. They win people to Christ. They start a church. And they go from village to village to do that. So who knows how many churches have been planted by just buying this van. But we also help Nepal earthquake victims rebuild their houses and churches that were destroyed through the earthquake. And we're supporting over 20 missionaries and ministries, either on a monthly or yearly basis, that are making a difference throughout the world. So. We're making a difference in the, around the globe. And, and to give you an idea, in 2015, you gave over three hundred fifty thousand dollars to local and global missions. Three hundred fifty thousand. Listen to this. Over one point one million dollars we have given away to local and global missions around the world in the last three years. million dollars. Amen. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. So the point is, because you didn't believe the lie that God gave his grace as a license to do nothing, but his ability to do something. And you're using your gifts, your resources and your abilities. We are impacting the world for eternity. Now listen, in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, it gives us a picture when this thing is all wrapped up and done. It says, John, who had this vision of heaven, and he lays that out, he says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all the tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, wearing their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders, the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And it says, a great multitude, which no one could count, was around the throne. And there were people of every nation, tribe, people, tongue, standing before the throne. I have the idea that without us realizing it, because we're being gracious people and willing to do something for God, that one day we're going to be standing in that crowd. And standing right next to us might be somebody from Africa. Maybe somebody from Brazil. Maybe somebody from Erath. Amen. There can be people from Erath there. Right? But there'll be people from all over the globe. And they're going to be standing there because we did something with what God gave us. And we're going to rejoice for all eternity knowing that we plundered hell and populated heaven for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Amen. So thank you for being so gracious and being so generous. Amen? Amen. It's fun to do that. I get encouraged every time I see that. Because sometimes you got your hands on the plow and all you can see is the dirt at your feet. And all you got is wiping the sweat off your brow and just trying to keep on keeping on. But while we're keeping on keeping on, Time is clicking, souls are being saved, lives are being changed, and we're helping to build that multitude in heaven, amen? And then, listen, there's no better way to invest your life than in that way, amen? Everything else, all our houses, boats, cars, technology, it's all going to burn up, amen? But what's going to last forever is what we did for Jesus for all of eternity, amen, amen? The third and final misconception of grace that we want to look at today is this. The misconception of the need for the continued grace of God. Now, some mistakenly believe that saving grace is all that we need. They think that once you've been saved, that's all the grace you need. and That's all the grace you should expect in life. But it's a misunderstanding. It's a misconception. We need grace every day. Remember, Paul said, I am what I am because of the grace of God. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So Paul speaks of the grace abounding towards us, right? What is the abounding grace of God? Well, it's the unlimited, unending favor and blessing of God on our life. That's the abounding grace of God. Now, I don't want just a, a just a, a a drop of water on my tongue when it comes to the grace of God. I want a shower. What about you? I want a deluge. What about you? I like grace. I need grace. I don't want just a little bit. I want a lot. Amen? Hey, listen. Can I dive into the grace of God? I would just prefer just going ahead and diving in to the deep part. Amen? The grace of God. Thank God. Listen, thank God for the saving grace of God. Thank God for that. Thank God that I didn't have to try to earn my way. But Jesus did the performing so I could get in. Amen. He died so I could get in. But God's grace is not just for salvation. It's not just for salvation. The Bible says in James 4, 6, but he gives a greater grace. I love that. There's a greater grace. Listen, not just saving grace. There's a greater grace. There's delivering grace. There's healing grace. There's anointing grace. There's restoring grace. There's fruit bearing grace. There is gifting grace. There is breakthrough grace. Amen? Can I go on? There's greater grace. Come on, there's mental grace. There's emotional grace. There's physical grace. There's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And I need all of it. What about you? I need all of it. I need every last part of it. Amen. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace. To grow in grace, I believe, speaks of getting more and more grace flowing in our life. Amen. So then the question is, how do you get more and more grace flowing in your life? I believe it's when we realize our need for it. And humbly turn to God and ask for more from His great throne of grace. Amen? He's got a throne full. Remember, a throne is the seat of power. Grace has got favor, God blessing, God's blessing, God's love, His kindness, His mercy. And there's a whole throne of it. And so I believe in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, just as there are certain things we can, we can do to miss God's grace. I think there's certain things we can do to receive more grace. Amen. You know, to say that I don't need more grace. is like saying I had enough air when I got spanked and I was born. And I breathed my first breath. Okay, I got enough breath now. Oh man, I need, I need breath every day. In fact, every, every second, every, every fraction of a second, as soon as God's, God's breath stops, I stop. As soon as God's grace stops, I stop. I need more grace just like I need the breath to live. Come on, the only way I can live, the only way I can do anything is by the grace of God. Come on, we don't need a little grace. We don't need just saving grace. We need grace upon grace upon grace. Amen? And there's things that we can do, I believe, to receive it. I believe we can grow in grace when we spend time in the words of grace. Acts 20 and 32 says, Now I entrusted you to God and the message of His grace that is able to build you up And give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. The scripture speaks here about God's message of grace. That will build you up and produce a spiritual inheritance in your life. So God's message of grace, I believe, increases our level of grace. The message of grace is the word of God. Wouldn't you agree? That's the, listen, he, he recorded all his words of grace and he put it, he put it together for us and said, okay, here's my words of grace for you. And listen, when you hear negativity out there, you know, faith comes by hearing, fear comes by hearing, you know, encouragement comes by hearing, discouragement comes by hearing. It just depends what you're hearing. It just depends what you're listening to will make a difference whether you're encouraged or discouraged, whether you're fearful or whether you're full of faith. Amen. It's the words of grace, the message of grace. The more of the message of grace we receive, the more of the grace of God will flow in our lives. Amen. And so we need the word of God. We need to be a word people, a Bible-based people. Amen. I know we got word on our phone. We got word on our laptop. But listen, we can't get away from the word of God. We got to hold on to the word of God. Amen. Man, there's seven over 7000 promises that we need to wrap our heart and our minds around. Amen. So can I give you a personal challenge? One person. All right, Rob, (laughs) let me give you a personal challenge. They're going to listen in. All right. We're getting ready to start a brand new year, right? And listen, I would, I would venture to say that probably some of us have never written, have never read through the book of Leviticus. <laughs> you think that's a good shot? Good chance? But you know, if I told you the Bible says you can hook up a rooster to the fruit to a freight train and he's going to pull it. Some of you wouldn't know whether it says that in the Bible or not. Why? Because you ain't never read your Bible. Come on, I'm meddling now. Come on, I'm meddling all over your business right now. Well, listen, I'm telling you, we need the Word of God. Amen? So here's the personal challenge. January 1st, a brand new year. And I want to encourage you, we have some resources. Now... There is, those of you, how many of you have U-version on your, on your, uh, phone? There is a one-year Bible plan on U-version that you can, you can download and it'll tell you what to read every day. And it'll give you some Old Testament, some New Testament, some Psalms, and some Proverbs. And by the end of the year, you will have read the entire Bible. You will have read Psalms twice and Proverbs twice. And if somebody says this is in Proverbs, you'll know whether it's in there or not. Amen? Because you have done read that stuff. Amen? So, you know, there is what's called a one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. The You know, I call it the, the Cajun vernacular, the easy to understand, right? But I just encourage you, there's also these Bible, Bible reading plans. And it just lists all of the, all of the books of the Bible, all of the chapters of the Bible. And so, you know, you could just, just highlight whatever you've read. And I find that it's good to know and it gives you a motivation. And you know, you can read through the entire Bible if you will just spend 15 minutes a day. Now listen, we check Facebook more than 15 minutes a day. Come on, I'm meddling again. <laughs> Come on, Instagram, Pinterest. Come on, all. Come on, CNN, Fox News. Gets more of our time than that. Amen? Amen. So I, my, child, my personal challenge is, how about you take a personal challenge to read through the Bible in 2016? You know, this is what I know. You're going to be influenced by the words of grace. And you're going to have more of the grace of God Flowing in your life than right now. Amen. And by the way, we have a few copies of this. If you don't want if you want the if you like the the hard paper copy, we have a few copies out there in the foyer. Okay, so we receive more grace by submitting ourselves to the words of grace. But the other thing is this. Finally, I believe that we receive more grace when we passionately and confidently approach God's throne through prayer and fasting. You know, I remember there was a guy in church and he didn't believe in fasting. In fact, he left church whenever I said, we're going to fast and pray. And he said, no, man, salvation is by grace. There's no need to fast and pray. So I said, well, you need to go up in Matthew chapter six and tear out some of the words that Jesus said. Because Jesus didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast, this is what you need to do. But I think it's a misunderstanding of the grace of God that, yes, salvation is by grace. You can't earn it. It's what God gives you. But I also believe that God gives grace to those who go after grace. And this is what Matthew 6, 6 says. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. God rewards us when we boldly come to the throne of grace, asking him for grace. Amen. I believe a good part of this reward that he talks about here is more and more grace. It's more and more grace, more and more healing, more and more deliverance, more and more anointing, more and more gifting. Amen. You know, I remember I'm just thinking about this It's not in my nose, but I'm just thinking about it. You know, uh years ago, um we had a uh Tony and I had some friends that live next door and the father was diagnosed with a brain tumor and um and um they called me and and asked me if I would go pray, you know, for his their father in law. So I said, sure. And so I went and um and and we prayed for him and there was a bunch of us there, uh some denominational leaders and stuff. And uh you know, I just learned what Brother Francis taught me, that anoint with all, pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord will heal the sick, you know, and just trust and believe in God for that. And so we prayed for him, and um, and so, you know, that was that. Well, he found out about the anointing of oil, and he said, listen, you need to call that pastor again. Tell he believes in anointing with all, right? Yeah, so we went back, me and one of the elders in the church, we went back. And he said, listen, would you anoint me with all and pray? I'm just believing that God's going to heal me. So we anointed him with all. And it happened to be while we were having prayer and fasting. And so I'm telling you, I went over there and I felt about as spiritual as, (laughs) you know, however small you can put your fingers. That's about how I I felt like I was like, okay, let's pray. Come on, man. Here's some oil. Lord healing. You know, I mean, that's about as spiritual as I felt. Well, he called back a few days later and he said, man, something happened to me when y'all prayed. I said, oh, really? What happened? You know? And he said, man, I felt like my, my, my feet were coming off the ground. And it's like, man I, I, man, I felt like oil came over the top of my head through the, my whole body. It's like, well, praise the Lord, man. That sounds like that was a God thing. Amen. Do you know that guy was miraculously healed of a brain tumor? He was miraculously healed of the brain tumor. And I just believe it was just a result of the body of Christ seeking after God, beseeching the throne of grace and saying, God, we need grace and more grace and more grace. Amen. I think there's a significant reason why that happened. The earned prayer and fasting. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew six seventeen, But when you fast, comb your hair. That's a good idea right there wash your face another great idea and then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you so what is fasting is deliberately reframing from eating or drinking for a specific period of time for the purpose of spiritual growth purpose of receiving more grace See, God rewards those who humbly embrace the discipline of fasting and prayer. He rewards us when we go after Him. Amen? Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Amen? He opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Amen? Now, another personal challenge for Robert. Starting, starting January 4th, I don't know for 10 or 12 years, this church did a 21-day prayer vigil. Last year we backslid and we only did seven. That's a joke <laughs> because you don't get, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to get into the works mentality. But at the same time, there's a fine line where you quit seeking God because it's all grace, brother. Amen? Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? And so I want to challenge you to join us for the 21-day vigil of prayer and fasting. Now, I know some of you just choked. Here's some water. You just choked. What? You want me to do what? You've lost your, you've lost your mind, dude. You need grace for mental healing. But you know what? The first week, we're going to have three prayer meetings a day, morning, noon and night. The Second week, we're going to have prayer meetings every night. And the third week, we're going to have men do one, ladies do one, youth do one. We're all going to do one. We're going to have an overflow. But why? Why do we want to do this? Well, it's because. We want to beseech the throne of grace so we can receive Grace. See, listen, I don't believe you win souls, make disciples because you just open the doors and have church. I believe that the only spiritual fruit comes about because of the anointing of God, the presence of God, the grace of God. Listen, we can go to the Rotary Club if we just want to have fellowship. But if we want to experience God and we want to see the miraculous power of God, then we as a congregation need to seek God, ask Him to put His hand of grace and blessing upon us. And then that's when people that are lost will come through the doors and they will be convicted of their sin. They'll surrender their life to Christ. They'll be born again. They'll they'll miss hell and they'll get to go to heaven and be in the crowd of people that are going to be one for the Lord. Amen? Amen. We need the touch of God. And so listen, 21 days out of 365 is not that many. And so listen, you know, you say, well, I take medication. Well, you can get off the Dr. Pepper. Amen. Now listen, here's something that I think would be as great as getting off a Dr. Pepper. Shutting down Facebook for 21 days. Oh, I felt the anointing on that one right there the grace of anointing came up are y'all hearing me are y'all tracking with me so don't give me this baloney i'll take medication because so i can't fast no that's the enemy trying to rob you amen listen you ain't got to eat a donut while you're fasting amen <laughs> come on i'm better, i better wrap this up right here amen So, listen, you know, I can't. I'm just encouraging you. I just want to encourage you. You know, we do this. We're not going to bad mouth you if you don't. We're not going to beat you up if you don't. No, it's by grace. Amen. It's by grace. You know, the scripture says whenever you do it in secret, you know, we're not blowing the trumpet. Family Life Church is fasting and praying. No, we're just going to gather here. We ain't just, you know, we're going to comb our hair, go brush our teeth. And we're going to come here and whatever it is. Some of you have never fasted in your life, but I promise you this. If you sneak up on the flesh, if you sneak up on the flesh, the flesh will not want to fast. But if you sneak up on him and just deprive him a little bit at a time, he's going to lose power. He's going to lose power. You know, get through a meal. And when you get to that next meal, you're going to eat like you hadn't eaten in five days. That's probably not proper grammar, but you know what I'm talking about. But you know, when all the while you're taming your flesh, you're just causing your flesh to lose its power in your life. And the more you cause your flesh to be weakened, the more the Spirit of God can rise up. And I'm telling you, it's been years. Brother Francis started doing this back whenever I started coming here for 35 years probably the church has been doing it. If not 35, 30 something. And every year that the church fast and pray, we hear about miracles that take place. We hear about breakthroughs that take place because we're just seeking the throne of grace. There's more grace. There's a greater grace. And I need all the grace I can get because I'm just one decision away from shipwreck. What about you? Amen? So again, we have resources. You know, some of the stuff that's been great for us over the years is The Circle Maker. It's a book on prayer. And it's tremendous. Some of you have already read it. Uh, Fasting by Jensen Franklin. They've been leading their church to 21 days of prayer and fasting for years. And it recounts uh, miraculous things that happen. But what I found is the more I feed my faith in that area, the more my faith grows and the more uh, encouraged I am to do it. Amen. So the first week, three prayer meetings a day, Day the second week, every evening, the third week, every evening. But we're going to spread it up. We're going to spread it out and, and just have each of us taken. But I'm telling you, you're going to sense and you're going to feel the glow of God in this place. Amen. Are you all with me? Joel says, sound the trumpet, blow the trumpet, sound the alarm, gather the the nursing moms, the children, gather everybody and just get them to just seek the Lord and God will move. Amen. And I believe next year at this time, I'll be able to stand up if I'm still here, if I'm not standing in the crowd or somebody else will be saying, gang, God has been gracious to us. We've been able to make a difference. Amen. Would you do me a favor and stand with me? I'm giving you the heads up so you can begin mentally. Listen, every year, like New Year's, whenever they serve that New Year's meal, I'm just like my last meal before I go to the death chamber. (laughs) you know give me one more brownie give me one more cupcake you know give me one one more I just need one more one more you know but you know I hate fasting I really do I hate it I hate it I hate it my flesh don't like it at all but it's the very best thing for me amen you know a number of years ago you probably heard me tell this story but when I first started ministry I don't know I was four or five years into it and I was just getting very discouraged very tired very weary And every day I was thinking, what can I do after I quit the ministry? I was ready to quit. I was ready to get out. And God led me to a time of prayer and fasting with the church. And I received the grace to not quit. And now it's been 20 years since then. And I've had the privilege of making a difference in that scene we looked at in heaven God gave me the grace some of you need grace for different things and I'm telling you God is a very gracious God and he wants to give us grace and immorality and there's no consequence some of you in here today you might need to be hearing this message today that you can't be an adulterer you can't be living immoral You may it may seem like you're getting away with it and God's winking at it but I promise you you're not getting away with it and I just want to encourage you to repent to repent and do whatever you need to do to get your life on track. If you're shacked up, if you're living together, it doesn't matter how long you've been living together, Get you a marriage license. Get you a marriage license. Do it right. God'll honor it and God'll bless it. The second misconception is that, because God's gracious, I don't need to worry about doing anything. The Bible says, one day we're going to give an account for what we did with this life he gave us don't use the grace of God as a permission slip to do nothing for God let God use your gifts your talents your abilities your resources for his kingdom and for his glory and then the third misconception is that I got grace to be saved that's all I need I don't need anything else all of us need the touch of God the grace of God in our lives each one of us one day is going to wake up and realize that nobody can help us nobody can get us through nobody can cause us to, to make it past what we're dealing with and we're going to be totally dependent on the grace of God my thing is don't wait till you get in trouble to call on God, call on God while things are going good and they're going to get better Amen? So would you be willing to just commit to that? You just talk to God right now and just let Him know you need His grace. You need His grace. Now listen, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life, you've never given your life, by grace you've been saved. That's where it all starts. You need salvation. You need to be born again. You need to be a Christian. Not just go to church. you got to be a Christian. The Bible says the law was given through Moses and but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the embodiment of grace. And if you've never been saved, never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you got to start there. Don't let the enemy rob you of making that decision. He'll do everything he wants, everything he can to just let you be a churchgoer and not be a Christian, not cross the line. But if you hear today and say, i got to be a Christian. I need to cross the line. Raise your hand, and I want to pray for you. And I want to ask the Lord to pray with you. Ask the Lord, raise your hand, raise it high so I can see it. I want to, I want to see your hand so, so that I can, so we can pray together. Raise it high so I can see it, all right? Anybody else? Anybody else? Well, let's, let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Lord, I surrender to you. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse my heart cleanse my life. I want to live the Christian life. Help me to do that. I need your grace. Thank you, Father, for empowering me to live the life of a Christian. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody that agrees, said amen.